Good morning. morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad that all of you are here. I would say stand up and welcome one another, but I think we've welcomed enough. So um, it's glad we're glad you're here. I do want to recognize some special friends. Um, over the years, as we went to China, Raymond Fu, who is a member of Hunter Street, went with us and ministered to the Chinese students and helped us um, translate it for us and, and, and got us through. Raymond's here. Um, he's, he's from Malaysia. And next to him, Gideon, who is from Malaysia. I met Gideon while we were there. He came to the States and went to school. Um, he went to LSU, so we won't hold that against him. <laughs> but Gideon and is here along with his wife, Judy, and daughter, Chloe. We are so glad you're here. Do you mind standing just for a second? And let's welcome them. Thank you. I love Raymond Fu and couldn't go to China or Malaysia without him. If you ever get to eat, go with Raymond Fu because he knows how to pick out the food to eat, right? So I'm glad that all of you are here. Um, we want to welcome you. If you look at your worship guide, there are a couple things for you to take note of. Um, one is um, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering as it continues. I hope that you will give to that. We'll see more about that in a moment. The angel trees are in the, um, in the foyer of the church. Please pick those up. We've talked about it. We're doing it a little differently, but it's a ministry that will continue throughout the year. I hope that you will continue in that. Also, this Wednesday in this room at 6 for the adults will be the Pell City High School Concert Choir. Nate Birch took over last year. They were, they were excellent, and I think you'll enjoy them as they come here next, this Wednesday night. And then finally, um, the special needs Sunday school class. Please um, see Chris about that if you would be willing to volunteer and take part. You'll notice also inside of your worship guide is the week of prayer. This is a guide for you to be praying for missions and, and, and lifting up our missionaries. Um, one other thing, and, and I'll, I'll get to sit down. Um, two, two other things. One, next week's the breakfast. Worship will be just the same as normal, but we'll leave this room and go into the NPR and eat breakfast together. And the contemporary service will join us. And then when breakfast is over, um, they'll come in here and have the second worship service. I hope that you'll make plans to be a part of that. And then as you're going out, there's these little cards in a basket. It's just basically inviting people to the Christmas services that we have. It's a great way for you just to, to invite folks, leave a card. Um, if you go out to eat today... Um, and you're willing to leave a generous tip, um, leave one of these. If you're a cheap tipper, do not leave one of these, okay? We don't want to be associated with that. So, so we, we hope that you will... Uh, I don't want the waitress to say, I'm not going to First Baptist. Those people are cheap. And so, uh, so give as much as you can, but please invite some folks. Take as many as you want. There are three to a pack, and we would love for you to be involved in that. You ready to worship? Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and thank you for this time. I thank you for our children, and I thank you, Lord, for the growth that we've seen in our children's choirs, and thank you for the teachers and the workers as they come and lead us. I just pray, God, you'd bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Our children's choir is going to come, and then next Sunday night, they'll be leading us in, in worship. And so, tonight... If I would read the bulletin that I asked you to read, I would see that. Tonight, the children are leading us. So please make sure you come back for that at 6 o'clock, right? 6? Yes, 6.
Good morning. Waiting is hard in a fast-paced society. We want the stoplight to change quickly. We want the grocery line to move fast and Christmas morning to arrive soon. We forget that before good things happen, preparations must be made. Preparations were made for the coming of Christ the first Christmas morning. Last Sunday, we lit the prophecy candle and remembered those Old Testament prophets who first spoke the promise of the coming Christ child. The second purple candle that we light today symbolizes faith. This is the Bethlehem candle, and it reminds us of Mary and Joseph's journey to the stable that God had prepared for the birth of his son. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Join with me as we pray. Dear God, in this very busy season with so many things to do, help us to hear anew your voice calling us to prepare the way of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Call us to repentance. Live in us by your Spirit that our lives will produce good fruit in the, to the praise and honor of your name. Amen. Stand as we join our voices in worship and singing hymn number 184, Angels We Have Heard On High.
I think before we pray, I, I want you to call your attention to the screen and this, this, see this video about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Because I don't know how to swim. And immediately he gave me Isaiah 43, which said, Even in the water, I will be with you. Don't be afraid. I remember when we first uh, went to the islands, the majority of them are animists. They have to appease the spirit because if they don't, something bad will happen to them. So all life really is embedded in fear. So we shared the gospel with them. I was challenged and I promised them that I would come back. And we've been coming, doing uh, discipleship training with them. And about three months later, we baptized 19 of them. If you see most of the believers here, you can tell they are not in fear because their faith is in Christ and they believe that Christ is greater. Christ really liberates us from that fear. And it's very encouraging, and sharing their faith, trying to reach their own people, but also the surrounding island, they're going there to share the gospel. This is what I wanna see in all the region in Senegal. It's the local church taking the lead to reach their own people. The Lord is working at the hour. So without the loud jacket or the loud jacket, I will be still going. <laughs> So even if you can't swim, God has a purpose for you on the islands, right? I hope that you will pray about giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our goal is 105000 and we can reach that, and we need to reach that. Every penny goes to get the gospel to the missions, to the field, to the missionaries on the field. So I hope that you will do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you and praise you this morning. We thank you for the great joy we've had of worshiping you. We thank you for the children who sang. We thank you for their families, for those who have led them. We thank you, Father, for the hymns, the choir, the musicians. But we thank you most of all for our Savior, Jesus Christ. We praise you and give you honor and glory that we have come to know him and been saved and been blessed to live where we live and been given what we've been given. But we know your word tells us that to whom much is given, much is expected. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to be faithful. We pray for our missionaries. We pray now for Moses as he reaches out into the islands. And we pray, God, for the rest of our IMB personnel. We ask, Father, that you would bless them and watch over them and protect them. But not just those in the IMB. We, we lift up all the missionaries and all the Christians across the world. I thank you that Gideon is here with his family. And we pray for his ministry in Malaysia. And we ask, God, that you would continue to bless him and bless um, those that he works with to see the gospel spread among that uh, Muslim people. Father, we give you glory and honor. We thank you for your word, and we ask that you bless the preaching of it today in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 1.
Colossians chapter 1, we have one of the greatest texts in the Bible before us this morning. I, I don't say that lightly. This is an incredible passage of Scripture. Um, and so if you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading and the preaching of God's Word. Paul has finished his prayer. We've studied that in verses 3 through 14. And now he says in verse 15, he, he's talking about, you remember in him, we, the beloved son in verse 13, in verse 14, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So he says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Look at that again. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, before we try to climb this majestic mountain, let's stop and see how it fits into the context. Paul has been praying. He's been praying for the church there. And, and, and last week, he, we saw that, that Paul said God has made us fit. He's qualified us, that he's rescued us, that he's transferred us, that he's redeemed us. That God has done all of this. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. His son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And, and so I think Paul's stopping by the Holy Spirit and saying, now let me tell you who that son is. If we're going to talk about the redemption we have through the son, let's stop and consider who it is that we worship. Who it is that we lift up and call Lord. I want to tell you, this passage should drive you to worship. Last couple of weeks as I've been studying this, I find myself just sitting at my computer and just hands in the air crying and worshiping God for what he has done. God is a good God, and what he's done for us is amazing. It is fitting as we enter this Advent season. As we enter into this second week of Advent, that we would come to a passage such as this. Who is the Jesus of Advent? To answer that question, we, we have no better place to look than our text. No better place in all the Bible to look and see who it is that we worship and celebrate in this Advent, se Advent season. It, this Colossians, Colossians 1, 15, all the way through 23 is, is, a, is a Christological mountaintop. It is an incredible passage. It's, it's all about Jesus. I want you to notice the words he says there. He is by him, through him, for him, 
This is, this is all about Jesus. It's thought to be an early church creed that the early church wrote this in, in, in order to remember who it is that Jesus was so that they could remember who it is that they called Lord. But I want us this morning to look at the supremacy of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, the preeminence of Jesus in everything. And so I want to ask two questions, and here's the first. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Uh, Ed Glasscock is teaching. He was teaching on Wednesday night, and we'll resume that in January, teaching through the Hebrews. And he said that, that Jesus, on this past Wednesday, he said Jesus is, is, is the most known person in the world, but the, also the most misunderstood. Everybody knows about him. There you go. Ed, I was looking for you, and I found you right where you normally are. Um, Ed, Ed, he says the most known person. Everybody knows about Jesus. But he's the most misunderstood. When we look at this passage, there's no misunderstanding about who Jesus is. It's, it's all showing us who Jesus is, the focus of the Advent. Who is he first? I want you to get this. He's God. Jesus is God. He's God. Look at our first verse. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Two words there I want you to pay attention to. First of all, he is the image. He is the image. What does that mean? Well, I think he helps us when you look at this verse. He is the image of the invisible God. We get a glimpse of what he's saying to us in this passage because we know that God the Father is spirit. No man can see him and live. No one has seen him except the one who, who is beside him and those who are in heaven. We, we on earth cannot see him. He is invisible. He is spirit. And so we need an image to be able to behold him. Jesus became that. He is the image of the invisible God. It's a way of knowing him. He is the way of knowing who the Father is. That's why John said in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. No one has ever seen him, the only God, who is at the Father's right hand, at the Father's side. He, that's Jesus. He has made him known. Jesus is the means by which we know the Father. We, we know that man, that man was created in the image of God, but we also know that that image was broken. We are living with broken images in the fall. We still have the, the image of God in us, but it's a broken image. It's a sinful thing that has taken over our life. We, we still bear that image, but not as Adam did before the fall. But there was a second Adam, Paul says. Jesus came to do what Adam could not do, and Jesus came to accomplish what Adam would not do. And Jesus came not created in the image of God, but as the image of God. He is the image of God. John said the word was God and became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus, we see the Father. That's why he said to the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you saw Jesus, you saw who the Father was. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of of his nature. Jesus is God, the second person of the Trinity, 
That's the idea of the word image. He is in the image. He is the image of God. But, but look at the second word, the firstborn of all creation. What does it mean when it says he's the firstborn? I got a little worried Wednesday night. Ed started talking about the firstborn. He was getting all over on my turf. I was worried he was going to steal my thunder. And, but he just backed up what we were already going to say. Does it mean that Jesus was created? The firstborn of all creation? Is Jesus a created being? I hope you can all say with me, two-letter word, no. Jesus was not created. He is the firstborn of all creations. It's really over all creation. But that little word of is, is a word that we use differently in the English language, don't we? John Piper gave a great illustration of this. I was listening to this little thing he does called labs. And, and he said, he said you think about how we use the word of. We could say it's a block of wood, okay? A pulpit of wood. When I say that, you know that I mean by that that the pulpit is wood. But we could also say he's the coach of the team. If we say someone's the coach of the team, we don't mean that they're on the team. We don't mean that they're players. We mean that they're over the team. There's no doubt yesterday as is, 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 is Georgia and, and Alabama played who the heads were. Everybody knows that Alabama Nick Saban is the head of that team. Everybody knows in Georgia Kirby Smart is the head of that team. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. He is over creation. He is over it. He is in control of it. He, he, it's, it's, it's not so much that he was born. It's, he was born on Christmas. We understand that. But he was before that. He, he's firstborn in terms of rank, in terms of position, in terms of priority. He is preeminent. He ranks first. There's a word for first created. Paul didn't use that word. He said he is the firstborn. He is God above all. He, he's ranked above all. In Philippians, Paul said he is given a name that is above every name, the image of God, the preeminent one, God in the flesh. He's God. Say that with me. He is God. But secondly, he is creator. He is creator. For by him, all things were created. Look at that. For by him, all things were created. Just let the text answer the text. Jesus cannot be created if by him all things were created. For by him, all things were created. I want you to look at the immensity of this. As creator... Jesus is the one that Genesis 1 is all about. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When you look at that, it was Jesus who spoke it into being. He's the Logos, the word that John talks about. He spoke it into being. Think about the power of that. That Jesus, before he came to the earth, spoke this world into being. Think of the power of it, but then come to the advent and and think of the humility of it. 
that that one would leave the glory of heaven and enter into a womb and born in a manger. It's God. He's creator, the powerful creator, entered a womb, took on flesh, and ultimately went to the cross. He's our creator, Hebrews 1, 2, through whom also he created the world. He is the creator, not the created. He is Lord. Now, the false teachers of Paul's day said that Jesus was just another angel. The Muslims say that Jesus was just another prophet. The Mormons say that he is the son of heavenly father and heavenly mother, but they also say that he's the brother of, Jesus, of Satan. They don't point that out on their commercials. The Jehovah Witnesses say that he is the first created being. But Paul said he created all things in heaven and on earth. He made, look at it, he made the visible and the invisible. Just keep it like it is. He made what you can see and what you can't see. There are a lot of things that we can see today that Paul's generation couldn't see. With microscopes and telescopes, God made it all. He made the visible and the invisible. He, he made, and is over the angelic powers. He's over thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities. Why? Why is he over them? Because he was not made like them. He made them. He is over them. Why did the demons fall down at feet of Jesus? They knew who Jesus was. And they called it out and said, what would you have to do with us? They, they knew that he was God. They had the sense to worship him, even though it wasn't in any way of worship like we would worship, but they had the sense to fall down before him, do we? Do we have the sense to know who he is? He, he made it all. He's creator. But there's a third thing here. Look at verse 17. He is before all things. He is before all things. That means he's eternal. He's God. He's creator. He's eternal. Jesus didn't begin at Advent. That's when he took on human flesh. Before that, he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus didn't begin there. He's already been. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's why Jesus could say, and it drove the religious leaders crazy, before Abraham was, I am. Who says that? The eternal one. He's eternal. Now, I could have given you five things, and the fourth one here would be, James, don't go to the fourth one yet, between C and D could be he is sustainer. He is God, he's creator, he's eternal, he's sustainer. Look at it. He is sustainer. In him, all things hold together. Even now, the only reason atoms don't fall apart is that he holds it together. Even now, the only reason we're not floating is that he keeps gravity as it is. Even now, the only reason our hearts are beating and our lungs are breathing, the reason our minds are thinking, the reason our eyes are seeing and our ears are hearing is he holds it together. There's a fallen world in which we live, but he still holds it together. He is the sustainer of all things. And then Paul said, he's God, he's creator, he's eternal, he's sustainer, he is the head. Of the church. 
He is the head. He is the head of the body, the church, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, you know, some pastors think they're the head. Some deacons and elders think they're the head. I know you don't know this, but some church members think they're the head. We're not the head. Jesus is the head. God has appointed leadership, but Jesus is the head of the body. What an idea, the body, the church. We are the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head. I'll never forget Adrian Rogers saying, something with no head is dead. Something with two heads is a monster. There's only one head. It's Jesus. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the firstborn. Why? Why is he the head of the body? Well, he's the beginning. He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He's the beginning. There's no church without Jesus. The promises and covenants of the Old Testament have no fulfillment without Jesus. He started it. He came for it. He earned it. He paid for it. He continues to lead it through his spirit and through his leadership. He is preeminent in the creation. He is preeminent. Get this. He's preeminent in the creation. He's creator. But he's also preeminent in the new creation, the church. He is the head, the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? Others have said, well, other people rose from the dead. The Bible gives us two people who never die. What does he mean, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead? Well, he is, he is the supreme founder because he's the first to come to life with true resurrected life. Get this. Lazarus rose from the dead because Jesus called him out. But Lazarus died again. Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death once and for all, so that we who live, believe in him live even though we die. He is preeminent in everything. Because of Jesus, we have hope laid up for us in heaven. Is he preeminent in our church? Is he preeminent in our personal lives? Is he preeminent in our fellowship, in our relationship, in our, in our recreation? Is he preeminent in our finances? Is he first and foremost in everything? Jesus is God. He's the creator. He's eternal. He's sustainer. He's the head of the church. But when we think about Christmas, when we think about who Jesus is in the incarnation, let's ask a second question. Who was Jesus on earth? Can I just make it simple? He's everything we just said. He emptied himself. He took on the flesh of a man, but he was still God. He was still creator. He was still eternal. He's still head of the church. Look at verse 19. For in him, for in him. Now, a little word for means Paul's about to explain what he just said. For, because of what I just said about Jesus being creator, being God, being creator, being eternal, being sustainer, being the head of the church, for in him, for in him, look at this, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Look down at verse 9 in chapter 2. He says it again, for in him the whole 
fullness of deity dwells bodily. The fullness of God. In the Old Testament, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord filled the universe. That glory converges into a person, the person of Christ. The glory of God, the fullness of God, the deity of God, all that is God is all that the Logos was. He, he empties himself but still comes in, and the Father, the Spirit takes up resonance in him. And the Father was pleased. Notice he was pleased to dwell in Jesus. Think of the things Jesus said. Think of the things he did. He was the agent of the creation out of nothing. He created out of nothing everything that we see. And here the sustainer of the universe dwelled, took up residence in the person. He is fully God. Not just God. Yes, he's God. He's fully God, even, even in human flesh. He's fully God. All powerful God. That's why John could say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen His glory. Glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God was not only pleased to dwell in Him, but verse 20 says He was pleased through Him to reconcile all things to himself. All things to himself. Things on earth, things in heaven. Fully God making full reconciliation. Fully God making full reconciliation. We'll see more about reconciliation in the weeks to come. But I, I, I found it interesting. John MacArthur said that that there are five key words that, that the Bible uses to describe the richness of our salvation. You might find other words, but I don't think you could replace any of these words. Five key words to describe the richness of our salvation. Write them down. The first one is justification. Justification. We were sinners, but by God, through Jesus Christ, we were declared not guilty and righteous with the righteousness of Christ. Justification. Redemption. We were slaves of sin, but we were set free from that slavery. We were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redemption. Forgiveness. We were in debt to God. We, we owed a debt that we could not pay, so he paid a debt that he didn't owe. We were forgiven. We, we were in debt, but the debt was paid. It was nailed to the cross. Adoption. We were strangers and outside of the people of God. We were outside the covenants and outside of all the things that we see. We were strangers, but we were made sons and daughters, we were adopted. And then reconciliation. Those five words, justification, redemption, forgiveness, adoption, reconciliation, we were against God. We were at war with God. We were enemies of God, but we were made friends. He was pleased to reconcile us. He was pleased to make peace with us. We were at enmity with him, but, but the offended one made peace with the offenders. Can I say it again? The offended one 
made peace with the offenders. How? Look at what he says in our text. By the blood of the cross. At the cross. At the cross. The price was paid. We have all we need to be in union with Christ. Because he has reconciled us, we have hope. Hope that we will one day be glorified. Hope that one day we will be in a new heaven and a new earth. And the old will pass away. The necessary steps have all been made. All that we await is the patience of the Father who is waiting for all who will come to Christ to come. And when they all are saved, when the children come to him, he will come again. So through him, the Father was pleased to reconcile all things, things on earth, things in heaven. He has already, if you're saved, and will ultimately transfer us from darkness into his kingdom. Transferred now from the power of sin, transferred one day from the presence of sin. Living with him, seeing Jesus as our king forever. What a, what a savior. What a savior. Amen. I wonder if you would bow your heads for a moment. I want to ask you again, is he preeminent in your life? Has Jesus had preeminence in all that you've done today and this week? Is he preeminent in, in every action? I know. I know that there's not a person in this room, including the one speaking to you, who can say he was preeminent in everything we did this last 168 hours. But is he preeminent in your thinking and your decisions and your family? Is he first in, in the way that you'll give in a moment? Is he first in, in the way that you work, in the way that you spend your time? Is he first? Is he first? If there are other things there, you need to repent of that. Ask him to forgive you if you put other things or other people in front of him. He's Lord. It means we worship him. He's God. He's your creator. He has a right to tell you what to do. He's eternal. And in him we live forever in Christ. He's the head of the church. The body of Christ means much to him. It's his body. He gave his life for it. We're to be using the things that he's given to us to make disciples, to do what he's called us to do. Is he preeminent? Father, I just pray that as we come this morning and sing that, that if for some reason there's someone here who doesn't know you, that that today you would, you would show them the need to be saved. That they would confess their sins and call out to you and call out through Jesus and, and find peace with you for the first time in their existence. I know that many in this room are saved, but I pray, Father, that they're living in good fellowship with you. And if not, that we would repent of the things that keep us from that fellowship that we would walk in your spirit. Bless us and show us what we should do today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. As we sing, if God's calling you to do something, I'll be here to meet you.
Isn't he? Gideon, we have a tradition here that we do when, when we have a guest, we ask him, would you come up here just for a second? And um, somebody's saying, what's the tradition? And uh, um, I just want you to come and pray for us. And what I always ask is that you pray in your heart language. You speak English very well. I know that. But I want you to pray for us in your heart language. And pray over us and ask God to bless us. Would you do that? Afterwards, please stay and go to Sunday school. Gideon will be sharing. His family will be there in the Oasis Sunday school class. And, um, and so if you want to come and hear about that, um, you can come visit them for a, for a Sunday and go back to your Sunday school class the next week. Or if you don't have a Sunday school class, it would be a great time to come. Gideon, close us in prayer, please. My pressure. It's on. It's on? Okay. Give me my pressure. Um, I'll pray in uh, Mandarin. All right? Okay. Let's pray. 亲爱的天父这是何等的福分我们献上感谢我们再一次献上感谢今天我们早上所听到的信息看到你是何等的完美何等的美丽何等的权能何等的伟大因为你为了我们愿你牺牲你的生命来拯救我们为着今天晚上今天早上的信息